If you're growing a business or just thinking about launching a startup, this is definitely the podcast for you. This is Fast Forward, brought to you by Tech Manchester. We support early stage tech focused businesses. Each week, we'll dive into the issues that we know keep entrepreneurs awake at night. We'll chat to experts who'll share their tips and advice on how to handle everything from raising finance, making your first hire, to getting your company noticed on social media or in the press. Running a business is a roller coaster. It's exhilarating, but it's pretty damn scary at times too. We're here to help you get your business off the ground and hopefully get a better night's sleep. It's hosted by me, Patricia Keating, Executive Director at Tech Manchester. Standing in a tin shed, waiting for the van to come. Oh, friend, have you seen where my golden tickets be? Welcome back to the Fast Forward podcast. If a business is to thrive and grow, it must adapt. And that is even more important in this current COVID climate. Most working parents understand the difficulty of juggling the demands of the office alongside the needs of the children. But even more so with families trying to manage the working from home and homeschooling and generally having a positive um, uh, family life. Student nannies... Uh, was set up to solve the gaps in childcare that are sometimes difficult to fill. And our guest today, Tracy Blake, discovered that problem firsthand. But one day, while sitting on a train, she got talking to two students, and that sparked an idea. Tracy joins me today to share her startup story. And we will get to the good bits and the difficult bits and how she's adapting the business to suit the current COVID 19 way of working. Tracy, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, Tracy, you are um, like every other person in the whole of the UK right now, living at home um, with your family. You have your husband, James, and you also have two children, uh, Millie and Monty. How are you all? Is everyone staying safe and coping with the new kind of uh, home working environment? Yes, we are good, thanks. We're just about coping. I've just shut the door and told them they're not to come in here while I'm having a chat because I'm on a very important work call. Um, but How yeah, I mean, is that? speaking, <laughs> yeah, watch this Five space. minutes, yeah. Can I have a snack? Uh, what can but, I eat? Um, what can I have? That's, <laughs> that's exactly it. It's the constant interruptions. Um, mm. And, you know, we're, tr- we're, we're doing our homeschooling. Uh, we've obviously booked a few student nannies along the way as well um, mm-hmm. to help us with homework. So yeah, we're we're coping. Oddly, the children seem very happy to be still being at home, but I think we're still only in week three. Yeah, I think it's you know a couple more weeks, and they might be climbing the walls. But for now, we're good, thank you. Yeah, I think we've all passed or surpassed what we normally survive at Christmas. So I think we're all doing pretty well under the circumstances. Yeah. Um, now tell me, tell me a bit about you. Tell me about your life before student nannies. What what was Tracy's life like uh-huh. and what were you doing? <laughs> yeah, so I am a journalist by trade. I was for 20 years a journalist, um, working at magazines first, contract publishing magazines, and then I moved into newspapers. Um, I worked at the Daily Mail, um, a, a newspaper that's now defunct called London Light, which was great fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the digital editions of the Daily Mail. And then I moved on to be features editor at Metro. 
which was a brilliant job. Um, but during that time, yeah, as a working parent, um, with both of us working, we really struggled with the after-school childcare and that element of, you know, school finishes at three, but you know, might not be home till 7.30 or 8 o'clock. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so that's when I became a bit of an accidental entrepreneur and just thought, <laughs> I'm really stuck. What am I going to do? And then, as you say, mm-hmm. I bumped into these, I've heard these girls talking and just asked them, do you, do you fancy being um, a babysitter for me? during the week and one of them said yes and that was Louise who was doing art foundation at Bucks New University and she was amazing and she did brilliant craft projects with the kids Um, and so when she left um, I wanted to find another student but as a 40-year-old woman I didn't know any students so I (laughs) sort of just thought you know what I'll just set up a little matching website it'll work a little bit like borrow my doggy except instead of setting up uh, dog borrowers and owners I'll be setting up students and parents and I thought it'll all be automated, so I'll carry on with my job um, mm-hmm. and I won't have to do anything. <laughs> and you'll solve your own um, childcare problem. <laughs> exactly. And hopefully that of for many others. Uh, but I literally, honestly, I can't believe the naivety of that looking back that I thought it would, because it was automated, it would all just look after itself. <laughs> but it's what you don't know at the time, isn't it? Yeah, I think you probably wouldn't proceed if you if you knew all the stuff that you didn't know. Um, yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Now, but how did you go? Like, that's not, you, you make it sound so simplistic. Oh, I had this idea. So I built this matching website. I mean, it's not, it's not that easy. How did you get, like, how did you get from that conversation in the train waiting room to actually building a website, especially when you don't know what you need to be, need to be doing? Like, how did you get there? No, what happened in well, between? Well, there was a bit of procrastination where I thought, oh, this is a good idea. I should do it. And then I didn't do it. Mm. Um, and then eventually, I can't remember what the actual point was. I thought, I'm actually going to do this. Uh, but I did start putting feelers out, asking people about web developers. We ended up finding um, a company in India who could do it for us incredibly cheaply. Um, so it just seemed like it was worth a punt. Um and that's what we did. And I recall James and I sitting around our dining room table with loads of sheets of blank A4 paper trying to create a wireframe and see the journey of a user coming in and signing up and where they went. Mm-hmm. And it was cra- when I look back again, it was crazy because we not we don't have any UX experience. Yeah. But we just plotted it out as we thought it should be. We sent that to the developers and they built it for us. Um and it gave us a you know an MVP that we could test the model with, really. Yeah, it was a bit a bit clunky and a bit, you know, but it, it served the purpose and it meant that we could have users using it, seeing what they did, seeing if seeing if we were solving a problem for them, really. Yeah, I mean, you're using quite a lot of lingo there. And when you when you describe it, it makes me think of my own uh, startup journey, because back then I didn't really know that I was bootstrapping a business and building an MVP and building a little e-commerce portal. I know that now that's what it, what it was back then I just thought I was I was just trying to build it like just trying to get a business off the ground um, yeah it sounds like you've learned quite a lot during that period um what were the biggest kind of learning uh learnings that you had from that very early stage so I'd say that my biggest challenge and learning was really morphing from being an editor and journalist for 20 years which is where all my confidence lay you know, if you said to me, oh, there's three blank pages in the newspaper tomorrow, what have you got? I could fill them. But mm-hmm. when it came to running a business, I, to be honest, had no clue. Um, so I always had this mindset that I did work, did words, not numbers. That had to be readjusted. Um, I just had to basically grow my confidence in moving into this different 
uh, world and putting a different hat on. Um, and I was lucky that I was on an accelerator program with NatWest. So that really helped um, in that there were lots of workshops and pitch practice and things like that that really got my head around this new world and what I was doing and lots of lectures from amazing, inspiring people. Um, you know, like your podcast, I think these things are so important because it just opens your eyes to all that can be achieved and all these incredible people who are doing so much stuff out there. And it makes you think, I can do that. You know, it gives you that window into how you can grow into that world. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so very much numbers was a big thing for me, for sure. And public speaking, you know, standing up and, and selling my wares, you know, pitching really confidently um, and just not what not worrying so much about what people thought, really, just going in there and doing it. Yeah, I think the accelerators are a great place because you're surrounded by peers who are on that same kind of steep learning curve where everybody's learning the numbers and everybody's learning to pitch and you can kind of get a bit of uh, moral support and emotional support from each other, as well as the kind of Definitely. ideas that spark off each other, yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, it's like a um, sort of a startup family, I think. So I'm still in touch with quite a few of those people that we were on that first programme with. <laughs> Was there anything that surprised you about yourself that you learned, um, you know, in that period? You know, obviously you just said about words and not numbers. How have you found the numbers now? What would you say? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I could, I'm now super confident about looking at my model and I know, you know, I understand all the formulas that are in it. I'd still say numbers will never be my comfort zone, you know, but I am now confident that I can talk about them uh, in a compelling way. So I'm still all about the words, really, uh, but I've had to adapt. So I can do both now. So let's talk about Student Eyes itself um, and exactly how it works or how it maybe did work and now maybe how it's changed in, in this kind of new um, COVID yes. world that we live in. So, so what was the original concept and what did you launch? So the original concept is or was after school childcare from clever local university students. So filling that gap from three until seven or 7.30 whenever parents get home from school, but having your child hanging out with someone really inspiring and bright who can stimulate them and chat to them about, you know, all manner of things. I mean, I think if you're walking home from school with someone who can engage you about, you know, oh, look at the leaves changing on that tree or do you know why, why that happens? Or, oh, look, there's a rainbow. You know, it just it just all helps with engaging children and and engaging that curiosity about learning and life and the world. So that was our that was our vision. Um, obviously, the minute schools were closing and self isolation was coming in and people were being told to work from home, that whole premise was out the window because a people weren't allowed into each other's homes. And B, there was no school pickup because there was no school. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure so, that wasn't on your risk register. When you started. No, cue slightly hysterical laughter. Um, yeah. We basically very quickly decided to do a pivot. Um, Did you see a drop our... off? Did you see like, was yes. there like a, comer like what, was it like just off a cliff on the numbers? Yeah, the totally yeah. off a cliff. I mean, we lost in quite quickly, we lost a lot of subscribers because People were emailing me saying, I'm so sorry, I no longer need this service. I've lost my job. I mean, it was it was really sad, actually, because, mm -hmm. I mean, I, while I was obviously worried about my own business, I could just see things crumbling left, right and centre. Um, and so, yeah, we saw subscriptions falling and we also saw bookings like 80, no, 90 percent of our bookings were starting at three or four o'clock. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that was our bread and butter. And that was just gone because 
there was no need for it anymore. Um, so yeah, it was it was a shock, but luckily I think part of my sort of DNA journalist is I've got quite a good gut. I trust my gut, and I just had this. I just thought we've got we can't just sit here waiting to see how long this is going to last. We've got to move now and be in a position where we can still offer some sort of service during this time of confinement, you know, because none of us really know how long the shutdown is going to be. The government's just announced it's carrying on, hasn't it? So um, so what we decided to do was move forward, um, something we'd always had in the roadmap for a few years' time, actually, uh, which was launching sort of a, a tutoring side of the business. Um, mm-hmm. And we realised, because, you know, we've got these thousands of really smart university students, so actually that would work really well online. And what parents are struggling with is homeschooling. So if we could give them a break of an hour where instead of pestering their parents to help them with their homework, they they were chatting to a really smart, friendly, engaging student who could help them with homework, answer questions, to help them through tricky, tricky bits, explain things. And give mum and dad a break. <laughs> encourage them on exactly that and give mum and dad a break for an hour. Um, and we've, we found that um, as we have students in all different subjects, it means that parents are emailing us saying, uh, you know, Johnny needs help with science. This child needs help with English. One one wants help with, um, is a year 10 student who's still got mock exams, which I thought was a bit harsh, going back mm. after Easter. And so um, that mother wanted help um, specifically with all three sciences, maths, physics and biology. Um, I've got language students who are in demand. You know, it just, it just weirdly, it fell naturally into place because we could just see that there was a demand that we could a problem that we could solve again like where I first started out really was solving a problem um and I felt like with this we were perfectly placed with our sort of skill set of all these amazing students to to help parents with homeschooling and support them with that headache of you know am I doing it right I mean we haven't been to school for 25 years so there's a lot of parents (laughs) who are emailing in saying they're yeah. worried that they're actually knocking their child's confidence because A, they are quite an abrupt, grumpy teacher because they're so stressed they're trying to juggle working at the same time. Mm-hmm. And B, you know, they can't all, they, they know how to do it themselves, but they don't really know how to explain how to do it uh, because it's been so long since they were taught. So um, I think it's helpful that we can be there and offer that sort of patient, kind student who can just be that study buddy, homework helper, one-to-one, helping them when they need it. And helping the parents as well, by default. Yes, yes. As a, as a, and social isolation with a two-year-old and a four-year-old right now, I can totally Ooh. relate. <laughs> oh, poor you. Yeah. And they're not even mine. They're my nephews. <laughs> 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 so I have my sister, her husband and their dog. Oh, we're all social isolating together. Wow. Um, so you're certainly not lonely. No, definitely not. But I would be completely alone if they weren't here. So I'm very happy. Um, so let's talk about logistics, um, because you wouldn't have had the infrastructure, uh, the digital infrastructure, I should say, to, to, because that's not how you were actually delivering that service. It was a face, you know, it was a booking platform and then someone would turn up to someone's house. Um, how have you then moved that into the virtual uh, world and be able to manage that digitally and, and like over, I would imagine multiple bookings happening at every hour of the day. Yeah. So we're very lucky. Um, we've got our digital partner, Apadme, who are based up in Manchester. Um, mm-hmm. Big shout out to Apadme. Yeah. Uh, so Hi, they're our developers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lovely Marcus. Um, so they are our developers. And we essentially, the minute we saw this coming, we were like, right, what can we do? What quick fixes can we do to pivot fast and offer this service? So it's a combination of 
um, changing changing up the homepage, changing some messaging here and there. Um, we are in the process still of tweaking the search function, so parents will be able to search by subject. Um, at the moment, uh, we're doing that um, by hustle. So the, that great startup word, we're hustling it um, mm-hmm. because the tech couldn't do it as quickly as we needed to. So by the combination of the two, we're moving together. Uh, so if a parent can't find the skill set they want near them, they call us or email us, um, and then we can search our massive database for them and find yeah. them a short list of people who fit the bill. And then they can book and pay through the platform. So it's it's all coming together. Uh, it's just I think one of the big lessons that we all learn when we're doing when we're doing what we're doing is that you can't wait for it to be perfect to get it going. You've just got to get it going and jump in and do it. And it can get better as you go along. And actually, that's the best way of doing it because you can see how people are using it and what they want from your from your business and your service. Um, so that's our that's our plan. Basically, we are the tech is there the homepage is there the messaging is done and then we're catching up with the the more the more sophisticated stuff behind the scenes that will be there too what i think from what you've just said is that you know you've you've it's the you know it's the roadmap of any startup you don't if you wait for it to be perfect it's never going to get launched and right now time is one of the things that we're all trying to fight against to get ahead, trying to get ahead of this crisis instead of letting it overwhelm us. And I think it's the right mindset to take. Um, the other thing I thought when you were talking was um, the students, you know, this the, the ripple effect of benefit that this must be ha- having on students because the lockdown will have no doubt had had a significant impact on a loss of needed income that many students probably rely on with their part-time jobs um, at restaurants and takeaways and or whatever it is, bars and stuff, whatever they were doing. This is obviously a new way for them to, you know, to still earn money and still help sustain themselves during this difficult time. Have you seen an increase in the number of students joining the platform or yes. what way has that? And, and what's your a reach? Like, where increase. are you? Where can parents ac- access you? I suppose now anywhere, doesn't matter. Exactly. So, so answer your first question. Uh, yes, we've seen a big increase in sign-ups from students. Uh, we're getting up to 30 sign-ups a day from students. Um, and it, I think it's because of exactly what you said, that, that the original sort of jobs that they would fall back on, you know, the traditional student jobs of bars and retail and restaurants are all shut. Um, and this enables them to work part-time when they want to, safely via their laptops, Um a lot of them have gone home as well. So when the universities all closed down, mm-hmm. uh, they've gone home. So whether you probably study in a big city, but you might live, gosh, goodness knows where. But um, a lot of them have gone he- headed home to be with their families during lockdown. And it means that they can still work while not leaving the house, which suits them down to the ground. And also a lot of them are super passionate about their subjects. So it's quite nice that they're, they're really keen to, um, you know, share that with with the next generation, really. I th- I'm particularly chuffed that we've got so many girls on the platform who are studying STEM subjects, which means that they Amazing. can then, you know, get other girls involved in coding or science mm-hmm. and maths and engineering and things like that. So it's really important. So we've talked about the students, we've talked about the parents, um, but what about but what about you, Tracy? Because you are a parent running a business uh, with two kids. Hi, and you know, and I think, do you do this? Is your husband your co-founder? Is he partner in the business, or does he still work? doing something else yeah or? he's he's involved in the business but um sort of 
silently in a way. So he's there mm-hmm. when I need his help. Um, and so, yeah, I'm the only person full time. Um, we've got Kim, who's our creative director, who is brilliant. Uh, she's part time. And then I have a few other sort of consultants and contractors who help part time. So, you know, it's been what's been really exciting, actually, is how nimble and agile you can be when you're a small team. Mm-hmm. We don't have the big office. We don't have the big staff expenses. And that's what's enabled us to pivot so quickly. Um, so it's been a very busy time, but it has been really exciting. You know, it's it does it does. There's a buzz about being in a startup and, you know, when you can pivot and address a new situation that's as fast moving as this is, it is rewarding and thrilling, you know, to be doing something yeah. that reflects that and hopefully helps people and and hopefully we'll see the business surviving through it. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you think it'll go back to the way that it was or do you think this is not only the kind of way forward or is it going to be a blend of both? I suspect it will be a blend of both, but, you know, I... I've learned to keep my mind open. So, and it's all about the data, you know, the data will tell us, I think, um, which model will win out. You know, if this is the brilliant thing about this is exactly as you say, it's totally scalable. Um, that was the other question. It's, <laughs> it's very scalable because now a student in Edinburgh can teach uh, a child in Devon, you know, and it, it can happen seamlessly. So in a way, perhaps this is a simpler model to an extent because, you know, we don't have to have a consolidation of parents and students in one area. Mm. Yeah. But going forward, we'll just have to see. Um, you know, I'm hopeful that once the schools reopen, you know, that the two models could go yeah. side by side. Physical childcare is going to come back into it. It's not just about the ch- children. Yeah. And We're all about... going to be so desperate to go back to the office. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Everybody's like, yay, we're going to work today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can imagine the new uh, ream of memes that are going to come out on the back of that. Yeah. Um, so what about um, balancing your business and your family life? Um, how are you managing that? Are you managing that? Um, how does co-parenting work on top of all of this? Um, where, what have you, what's your experience been and have you any tips for other parents out there? Gosh, well, I think it's all about being organised and trying to set windows of time that are for you and windows of time that are for you and your children. Um, we are, we, when we're doing homeschooling, we're trying to do two hours a day, split up into little half hour chunks. Uh, so half an hour of English, half an hour of maths and then two fun subjects that so might be sci- a science experiment or art or PE just to keep it light, I think I think the most important thing is not to put too much pressure on ourselves because we're not teachers. Hmm. Um, and if you need extra support, obviously there are th- services out there who can help you. But really, for now, as long as the kids are happy, they're not stressed, you know, I think just, just keep doing what you're doing. And I feel the same with my business. You know, I can only do what I can do and there's so much going on. But realistically, I am one person. Um, so I'm trying just to do as much as I can I have had nights where I've been working till 11 o'clock every night, but I can't sustain that. Um, mm. So I think it's f- slightly fits and starts, obviously, when you're running a business. But um, I think it's about looking after ourselves because this is quite a bonkers time. And, you know, we all need to be aware that we can only do so much and that we do have to look after our mental health at this time. You know, we need to be going out for our daily walk all together and, you know, just taking that time to decompress really and take some deep breaths of fresh air when we get outside uh, so that's what I'm trying to do really uh, yeah. I'm lucky that I've got James um, also at home with me 
So yeah, he can take over with the kids um, if I get too frazzled or I've got calls like I'm on now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a case of getting through it, really. I mean, I read, I heard, I think Anna Whitehouse, um, who's Mother Pucker, I'm sure you've heard of her, but she, mm-hmm. I heard her doing an interview the other day and she said one of her rules for working from home is splitting your time between being reactive um, and active. So in other words, if you spend all the morning just responding to emails, what you're actually doing to actively move your business on and grow it. So it's that thing of, I think that's quite good advice. Make sure you're being both active and reactive. Yeah. I think it's about being kind to yourself, really, um, and others at the minute. Yeah. But kind to yourself totally. first um, and not beating yourself up. I've read quite a few articles about, you know, the pressure that people seem to feel to be productive, to learn a new language or, you know, get a diploma or whatever in this window. is like, do you know what, We're, these are, you know, it's an overused word, but it is unprecedented. We're all dealing with the stress of worrying about our own health, worrying about the health of our families, worrying about our jobs, our you know, our roofs over our heads. Um, yeah. you know, there's, there's really nothing, really no other um, time ever that is that, that is like it. So no. I think it's just do the best you can and just, you know, give yourself a pat on the back and have the old glass of wine. Um, I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> or more than one. Um, so let's talk about your uh, the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey. And you talked about the great support that you got from the NatWest Entrepreneurial Hub, um, which I also mm-hmm. was in in Belfast. Um, oh, were you? with We Do Concierge, yeah, with my business partner, Kim Johnson, yeah. And uh, we did the same classes and I found them just as valuable. But what advice um, did you get during that period? Like, was there any good advice that you got um, that sticks out in your mind um, that helped? Um, What can you recall? um, Or, yeah, what can you recall from those times? Well, oh gosh. I mean, I think... My advice would be if you're in any, if you're lucky enough to get onto one of those accelerator programs, I think you've really got to be all in um, and go to all the events, see all the amazing people speaking, make sure you always go to the pitch clubs, make sure you have the sessions with your mentor. Um, I think it's about, you know, as you said, learning from all the other startups that are in the the, um, cohort as well. There's so much sort of going on that it's a really stimulating and exciting environment. And I think that's really important. Where, where where better to be as a startup who's learning, you know, and growing yourself to be seeing what everyone else is doing and learning from what they're doing. So I think my big lesson was, you know, go for it and enjoy it and be be a sort of active part of it, really. One of the things that I um, find very disconcerting in in the accelerator, and I don't know what your experience was, because it sounds like you're doing the same thing. We were bootstrapped in our startup. Uh, We never considered raising investment to grow it. We were just going to grow it from the customers. And so it really surprised me every week. They were always wanting to know, like, how much money we'd raised. Um, You know, what has been your, how have you guys um, funded this and, and what's your plan is it to grow it organically or is it to go on that investment journey what's what's your thoughts on that yeah we are on the investment journey um unfortunately we were due to be doing a new raise just when covid kicked off um and obviously now is not a great time for seeking investment um unless you've got a thriving covid business (laughs) yeah that's true i mean i think our issue is that once all the text built, we are essentially a marketing business. We need we need a marketing budget, you know, a hefty mm-hmm. one, in mm-hmm. order to get the word out. So that is why we are raising money and also to build an app. Um, at the moment, it's a sort of mobile friendly platform, uh, but it's not an app. So that's yeah. that's what we're planning to do. But 
um, raising money has been one of our biggest challenges. You know, I'm a female founder, which is a, a, a cross against my name. I didn't go to Oxford or Cambridge, another cross against my name. Um, I haven't run a previous business before. You know, there are all these sort of tick boxes that I think often if you don't fit that, fit those tick boxes, I'm not from a mm. tech background. Sometimes you just get put straight in the bin. Your 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 pitch deck goes straight in the bin. Um, and that's quite tough. Um, luckily, I'm very re- resilient, uh, <laughs> which you have to be. Uh, and you just have to keep coming back and coming back and coming back. And I think you get better with every rejection because you can learn mm. from it and perhaps try and revisit the conversation in six months time when you've taken some steps that they've recommended or suggested um but you know you also have to just toughen up um I clearly recall actually from my days in at NatWest Hub when um it was a Dragon's Den kind of situation they call it yeah shark pit um and so I was there pitching student nannies to a, a leading I shall say this um in a in a way where I don't name them a leading um, angel network, and I it was a woman and a guy, and I was pitching to them, and I I used the phrase that I wanted to help students and parents, and the lady said to me, "I'm going to stop you there. Never use the word help when you're pitching to investors. They want to know how you're going to bleed your customers dry, not help them." And I was flabbergasted, and I just said. Well, clearly you're not the right investor for me then, because I do want to help my business. Great answer. You know, I don't. I, it's a combination of the two. You know, we can yeah. we can be purpose and profit, and we are wanting to help our customers solve what, a problem that we know is pressing for both of them. You know, parents need childcare help, and students need flexible work that enables them to earn while they learn. So, yeah, you know, and I you was want just a sustainable stunned. business. Yeah, yeah. That hot, the way she was so hard nosed about it. Um, so I've had to, you know, I've had a few experiences similar to that. And I think you just got to find your own way and um, get your confidence. And and you begin to then have that clear idea of what the DNA of your business is and what your vision and your purpose is. So when someone says something that goes against that, you feel quite sort of riled and defensive and like, right, mm. that is not what we're about for sure. And I don't want to talk to you anymore. As simple yeah. as that. And we've had so many um, guests on the podcast, both founders who've raised and also angels, and they talk very consistently about making sure that you can get on with your investors and that you have the same kind of values. Um, and, you know, there's there's many, many investment channels out there. So it is just about finding that that match. Um, I would imagine yeah. in this new world where that type of um the capitalization that some um, sort of ruthless businesses have put in place over COVID-19 to profiteer from it um, and how they will be dealt with on the other side once this is all over. I think you'll probably see people steering away from that and having much more socially conscious businesses, which are sustainable like yours. Um, yeah. Listen, I've, I've loved uh, talking to you today, Tracy, um, but um, we always like to wrap up with some uh, top tips um, so for anyone else that's out there, you know, who would be looking to start their own business, who are at that, you know, waiting room moment, um, who've got that spark of an idea, what would be your sort of three things or a couple of things that you would suggest they could go off and do, you know, today that they could head off and Gosh. start doing straight away? Well, first thing is definitely don't just sit there and think about it, do it. Um, you know, it really doesn't cost very much. You can get a website off, off the shelf um, and just... Just do it, you know, 
get an MVP together. I think what's the famous phrase? Fail fast or fail cheap. You know, get something mm-hmm. out, out there to market, to test the market, to see if people want your service or your product or whatever it is. See if they want to buy it. Um, so I think that would be my first advice. You know, I wish I hadn't spent three months sort of thinking, oh, should I do it? Should I not? <laughs> you know, I could that that's time that I'll never get back. So I think you've just got to jump in and get it get it to market and get it tested. Um, So my other bit of advice would be to know that a lot of people don't know what they're talking about. And, you know, remember that you know your business better than anyone else. So when you're sitting around a table and you're intimidated that you think people are much cleverer than you, remember that there's an awful lot they don't know. And, you know, don't be daunted by that because we're all winging it to a certain extent. Um, And when it comes to your business, you do know it better than anyone else. What a brilliant piece of advice to finish off. A great conversation. Tracy, I can't wait to see where Student Annie's goes. I think you have totally um, not got yourself uh, a little gold mine there. Uh, I can't wait to see where that progresses. I will certainly be sharing it out around my network um, to the parents and also the students um, in the community because I am sure that they would certainly be interested in your service. Um, for budding entrepreneurs out there who are sitting in that waiting room with that spark of an idea, um, stop procrastinating, um, get on with it and get yourself a better night's sleep. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much, Patricia. Bye. <laughs>